Life Audio. This life gets hard, but move forward to brighter days. This chapter is long, but remember to turn the page. Welcome back to Unfiltered Parenting Podcast with Reagan Long and Abby Johnson, where we deliver everything to y'all completely unfiltered. And I'm so excited for our guest today. Um, he, you know, this man I have never met, but I feel like I know him so well. He happens to be my best friend's husband. <laughs> he is a true Southern boy. He is a famous Texan and he has a very popular page um, online called Doug on Tap that we'll be sure to link so you can follow him if you're already not. Um, today we have with us Doug Johnson, husband of Abby Johnson, dad of eight, and this man is, he's everything all in one. He's brilliant. He's hilarious. He's so insightful. Him and Abby are very similar in the fact that they're just going to tell you like it is. He's not going to sugarcoat it. And I am so glad we have him here today. Doug, welcome. Hey there. You know, yeah, you're right. We've uh, never met face to face. We've been high-fiving and virtual hugging. Over the internet and the Marco Polo and text and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Right. It, it, it's it's weird. And I just told Doug, maybe I inflated his ego a little bit. I'll have to tell Abby um, because my oldest daughter told me before logging on here, she's like, Mom, you know who Abby's husband looks like? He looks like Jason Kelsey. And Jason Kelsey, who, and I think everyone knows who that is because of all the Travis Kelsey, who blonde, Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, which... That's a whole nother story that drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, but Jason Kelsey, who she said you look like, which I do agree, he also won like one of the top sexiest men in, in the world or something. That's right, right now, did you know he that? Looks like this. I if mean, it's yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> the worst, the worst look like I've ever gotten is Eugene Levy, which is the dad from American Pie. <gasps> And, I love him. Yeah, and then um, my favorite is, is it Gerard Butler the, from the 300? With oh, the, Gerard. With the with the, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the lead see, singer from Skillet. He and I talked about beards one time. He's got a pretty <laughs> epic beard himself. And, uh, yeah. But that's anyway. Good. There's something about, like, a beard that's just masculine, you know? And where mm-hmm. Abby and I are always like, bring back manly men. When we started dating, she was like, no facial hair. I don't like facial hair, blah, 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 blah. Fine. And so I shaved and shaved. And then uh, she left for a trip when she started traveling. After she left Planned Parenthood, she left for a trip. Yeah. She's gone for about a week or two. I was like, eh, I'm not going to shave. She comes back. She's like, what is that? And you know, I had about a week or two's worth of growth. And she was like, what is that? And I was like, do you like it? And she goes, I don't know. Give me a minute. She's like. You can. Keep, she wouldn't say she liked it. She's like, you can keep it. You have to keep it trim. I was like, okay. So then, over, as the years went by, it got longer and longer and longer. And now she's like, she won't let me shave. And then, right. uh, what's funny is like one time she's like, 
we were talking about something, how we used to look when we were younger. And she's like, you're a million times better looking now. I was like, how ugly was I? Like, babe, seriously, <laughs> thanks for dealing with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that kind of good? And I feel like it's true. Like when I look back, because me, you and Abby just became friends a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know y'all back when y'all became famous. But when I look at photos of you guys from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, both of you, it kind of sucks, Doug, because both of you do like get better with age. Like both of you do. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what's what <laughs> in our water or what, but I think we're doing okay in that department. She is, but especially. So. Well, that's what I love about you. I, I always tell people this. I talk, I talk about this on Abby and I's podcast where I'm like, I'm not just saying this, but I'm like, if there's any man who dotes over his wife and like truly worships the ground she walks on, it is Doug Johnson over Abby. Like he, you, and you also remind me of Rip from like Yellowstone. You know, like Rip just like adores Beth Mm -hmm. and he's just so masculine and so manly and he would just do anything for her. Like that is how Doug is with Abby. Like He's very Abby could do no wrong. Like, he loves that over. woman to death. And and, and 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 trust me, Abby loves Doug. She's yeah. going nowhere. But it's just so sweet to see this like extremely organic, like almost still for all these years, puppy love you have for her. How many years have you and Abby been together? I think we're coming up on 19. Oh my god. In this year. So yeah, it's been it's a minute. Wild. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. been a hot minute. Yeah. I love it, but, but that's beautiful. It's you only know, gotten true. better. You know, we've got our ups and downs, and I, I love marriage. I've always loved marriage. Even when it was hard, it was it was worth it, you know, because right. once, once you're past the point of deal breakers, you're like, oh, no, this is totally worth it. And so, and, and you just decide divorce is not an option for us, and we're going to see this through, and, you know, and I'm glad we fought it out. You know, we, we, we went through some tough stuff, like with her postpartum depression, which I've talked about on the show, and then mm-hmm. my my uh alcohol abuse which we've talked about on other shows before and mm-hmm. you know we've been through ups and her traveling and uh me not knowing what to do as a stay-at-home dad like just trying to figure that out as a guy so you know we've been through a lot of stuff that man we're happy to be here eight kids i think is pretty good proof that we're doing something like you're doing something right? right and they're all they seem to be happy they don't want to move out or anything like that so i guess we're okay and i think and doug you've been up until this year You've been a stay-at-home dad to these eight kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I know most people, when they meet me, they're like, because the majority of my friends or acquaintances have two to three kids. Yeah. That's like the average, right? And so for me, who has five, I always feel like I'm the big timer. Like, I have five kids. Mm-hmm. And then I met Abby and she's like, I have eight. I'm like, okay, you win. <laughs> but like some days I'm like, Lord, five Why kids. <laughs> how did you trust me with five kids? Like, but you know, like some days it's so easy and I'm like, I've got this. I couldn't mm-hmm. like handle another one or two. And other days I'm like, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I need, I need four minutes in the bathroom alone. Like yeah. don't come near me. Like, Don't knock on the door. I take out the trash by myself. I'll sneak <laughs> out to take out the trash just to walk quietly in 20 degree weather. And I'm like, oh, this is so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Like sometimes I'm like, just let mommy fold laundry alone. Mm -hmm. Just let me listen to some music. Give me 10 minutes to fold laundry alone. And that's like, like a recharge. Yeah. You know, just don't. (laughs) And you know, what's funny is like, 
people <laughs> post stuff like that on on Facebook, and usually with like a sense of humor attached to it. And right. people that will come on there and be like, "Oh, but they love you so much, you need to let them follow you." I'm like, "No, no, I don't." Like they'll be fine. They need to learn some independence. <laughs> you know, this, they can't be so attached all the time. But. Exactly. And then you get, you know, the people and the person who says that to you has no children or they only have one child. Or their grandparents. Or their grandparents. Yes. And they forgot. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, Doug, you don't love your kids. You need yeah. a break from them. Everything yeah. gets just so blown out of proportion. But another thing you're doing, and I want to talk about this before we went live. Um, Doug was telling me what he was just doing and I'm like, oh, I was talking about this with Barbara O'Neill on my last podcast. And this is like a trending thing right now that I think mm-hmm. got hot like last year. And I remember you and Abby and I were like, we had a group text thread and we were talking yeah. about it um, because you two did it before I could ever do it, which is like cold plunges. Well, I did a cold shower for about seven seconds. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> but I've, so I've been, this is my day five of a cold shower at the end. And okay. I say a quick Hail Mary and like super quick Hail Mary. And during the duration, it's cold pulling up, you know, just pouring right. on me. Right. So baby steps. But so tell me, Doug, you're doing the whole cold bath, ice bath thing, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, yeah, like, so the way it started for me was in the shower, like you said. So I was, um, we had a freeze last year. We just had a freeze this year, like, but at least electricity stayed on. But last year, electricity went out. And a couple of years before that, we had no electricity and water. And it's just crazy in Texas. But anyway, last year we had a freeze. Still had water, but no electricity. So our hot water heater was out. And my then 16-year-old, she's like, day two or three, she's like, I've got to go wash my hair. And she goes and takes a cold shower in this stuff. So you know that water's coming out at like 30, 40 degrees, you know, because it's ridiculously cold. And uh, the house hasn't been heated in forever. And I was like, well, I can't be, you know, I I use some colorful language in my head, but I was like, I can't be a monkey dad. And uh, so I got to go, I got to, I got to do the same. I got to take a shower too. So all the kids went to bed. It was late at night. There's no light in the bathroom. I just, I had to get like a flashlight and set it up like a torch shining up. I turned the water on. I went to the back of the shower and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get in there. I, I must have watched that water for five, 10 minutes. <laughs> like my, my feet are, my toes are freezing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start with my head. So I put my head in and the head's the easy part. The rest of your body is very hard to get in there. You know. Right. Yes. And then, uh, so I jump in there with the rest of my body and I'm, <laughs> and so can't breathe making all kinds of noise i'm definitely louder than i think i am because my oldest son alex he comes in he's like he thought there was a ghost in the bathroom <laughs> he thought somebody was dying yeah, get away from the ghost yeah. <laughs> and so that was my first introduction to the cold i took a full shower washed everything i, d- I did it more than a hell mary i probably lasted about a minute or two in there <laughs> and then uh so this summer in texas summer is so hot and I was getting back into the working out. My diet was good. Everything was good. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to add the cold plunges to it. So I filled my bathtub just on a whim. That day we were texting that group thread, yeah. you and Abby. And I filled it with some ice out of our ice box. I probably didn't get it lower than, it might have been 65, which is cold. Cold is cold. And it wasn't right. like what people are doing starting out in the 50s and 40s. 
and I got my waist in and Abby got in. Of course, we kept our clothes on because uh, we're talking about it with other people. And uh, I was like, that wasn't so bad. And we kept getting a little colder. And then I went and bought 20 pound bags of ice and then 40 pounds and 60 pounds of ice and started putting it in a tub. Then for Father's Day, Abby got me like this inflatable tub. I could do it outside. And my kids started jumping in the tubs with us. And then, uh, then I went back to work and it all stopped. I, did, I wasn't working out as much. I wasn't jumping in the cold water. I was ending with cold showers every once in a while. But I still love it. Like, especially when it's 100 degrees outside, you stay cooler. If you start your day with one, you're a lot more comfortable than 100 degree weather. But, um, and it, like, I did it today. Yeah, I worked out. I took my Alpha Brain supplement, which Joe Rogan also pushes. Yes. And that's good stuff. I actually like it. And I took this pre-workout goo collagen stuff. So my brain's clicking right now. Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, uh, they say it too. So like so many people have used these like cold showers or ice baths, whatever it is, to replace their coffee in the morning, to replace mm-hmm. their pre-workout. And even... You know, doctors have said this, scientists, just brain chemically, all of that, that if you do it, I think it's at least like 50 degrees, 54 degrees something for three minutes, Mm -hmm. have your body underneath, the majority of your body, you have this like high for up to four hours after and yep. now again, I, you know, I'm a seven second Hail Mary right now. Right. Like, you know? So I have a ways to go, but I will tell you, I've been different this week. I've had a little pep in my step in the morning that I mm-hmm. haven't just from that. We probably feel good just from doing it. Like I've initiated right? something new. I'm doing yes. something new. Yeah. And that, that gives you a little bit of confidence too. Right. Because I hate being cold. Like I yeah. love being, I love being warm. My showers, I come out red. I love scalding hot showers and baths. Mm-hmm. So that is like completely uncomfortable. But again, the benefits be are just hard. wild. If you jump in, turn on the water all the way to hot, but you wait for it to get hot. Well, it's like a coworker of mine does that and he'll turn it back to cold to get out. And that's hard to sit through because it's the coldest it's going to be when you first turn it on. Yes. So that's another way to try it. But the other trick I've been told, and it's harder to do in the shower, is get your head underwater as soon as you get in. That takes away all the panic breathing that Lamaze, like I'm right. just, <laughs> you know. And so that works pretty good. Yeah, yeah because you do when I, you see the people who are like posting these videos online, they're it, it it's almost like they're going through contractions. It's controlled mm-hmm. breathing where they're like Yeah. Like they are working hard to keep their breath under control so they, it doesn't get panicky, mm-hmm. you know, because Barbara O'Neill was explaining this, you know, in the last podcast where your body is essentially, it, the blood is getting pushed everywhere because mm-hmm. your body feels like it's going into survival mode that it's going to experience hypothermia. Right. So it's almost going into a shock protective mode. Right. And, um, Hence the like it promotes well. healing, right? So, like, right. That's why you put cold because blood flow, blood will go to the wound wherever the cold is, yep. and then that promotes healing. I'll tell you something else funny the other day to go along with all that. So, you know, we've been experiencing 17, 13 degree weather here. The other day before church, I get up, time to get ready for church. It's cold. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go outside. 
Yeah, I got down to my underwear and socks. I just went out in the backyard and stood there. <laughs> the two of my boys, Carter and Jude, they're uh, eight, nine years old. They come out there like, Dad, what are you doing out here in your underwear? If <laughs> that's too much information for you, oh well. But, uh, and I was like, just enjoying the cold weather, guys. You know, <laughs> Dad, the socks and undies. They go back inside. Two seconds later, they're ba- they're out there in their underwear, running around like little maniacs. Hey, Dad's in his underwear in the backyard. Let's go. <laughs> so it was a family activity, it. I guess. And so anyway, That's it always great. ends up being fun. When they see me doing something like that, they're like, oh, we want to try it too. And same with the weightlifting. My nine-year-old, he's a, he's a little butterball. He's about 100 pounds. But he can deadlift his own body weight. And he'll come out there and do that with me. He doesn't want to do anything else active. But he'll do that. Right. So, I love it. I, I run up the hill with a wheelbarrow full of weights and mother, they all like doing that. They'll run up, see how well they can do it. And so it's, it's, it's family time, mainly because I took away the video games. They don't have a choice. So there you go. Oh gosh. We should do Let's a do whole it, podcast yeah. on that. Take it away. Well, <clears throat> well I did. Mm-hmm. I, I had taken Caden's PS five away for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Send it over to his dad's. And I'm like, yeah. if, if he is allowed to play here with you, then so be it. Yes. Yeah. He's not allowed to play it with me. It's mm-hmm. I'm just done for X, Y, and Z, all those reasons. And it was a couple months that went by. And I've never stuck to something that long. Yeah. Not never. And then something came up. He had a friend here. He was begging for it. And I caved. And I'm like, I'm going to give you one more shot. Well, of course, that shot didn't work out. Right. It, right. I already knew this. Um, but I, I, I let him have it back and it lasted a couple weeks, which it shouldn't even have lasted that long. And it is now forever, ever yes. gone. Gotta go. And yeah, it, it, it is these kids in Caden's 13, he doesn't even know how to self-regulate and that's how they make these games. Mm-hmm. They literally, they hire people just to make them more addictive. Like, what do we need to do to make? I had a guy explain it to me. I'd never thought of it this way. And this is kind of one of the things I was like, so my kids are all on honor row now. Like we got rid of it at the beginning of the school year. They're all making A's and B's and they're doing great. And their behavior is 10 times better. They're going outside. They're hanging out. I mean, we still watch TV. You probably still get a little too much of that screen time, but they're not allowed on tablets or video games very much at all. No video games, period. But the way it was explained to me is like, you know, you go on these games, say like Fortnite or, um, yeah. Anything where you pay, where you give money. And it's like, you have to work really hard to earn this axe, this weapon, this building, this outfit. Mm-hmm. And none of it's tangible except in the game. So when you go back out into real life, this thing you worked really hard for or spent your hard-earned money on, you can't even touch it. You can't. It's, you're thinking about it in your head. You can't wait to get back to it. And you don't want to leave it. And so it's like, you're. that's part of the addiction is I've worked really hard but like when we're growing up, I worked really hard to get this new pair of basketball shoes. I love these basketball shoes, right? These mm-hmm. are my favorite possession I have. So it's the same thing in the video game. I worked really hard to get this really cool sniper rifle or whatever to murder people virtually in a world. So like everything about that sentence sounds horrible, doesn't it? And so yeah. it's no, they don't need that. But like they, they need something tangible to work for that, that sort of thing. I just. It's not the video games we grew up with. You know what I mean? It's it's not yeah. Mario Brothers. It's not those things. It's completely different. And when you got together to play video games, everybody's bike was in the front yard and everybody sat in the same room and you played together in the same room. 
it wasn't online where it's some 50 year old dude in France pretending to be a 13 year old girl in, in yes. Idaho. You know what I mean? So you never know. And, and even just like the, I thought it was innocent that Roblox. Mm-hmm. My girls love to play it. And they would ask me, mom, my $5, my, my chore money, can I use it for Roblox to buy a new outfit on there? Can I use it to, for a new house on Roblox? Like this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, what? That doesn't even make sense. But anyways, my daughter a couple years ago, and I had already had these conversations, I had found it was an older man pretending to be a nine-year-old girl talking to my daughter in a nine-year-old way, a girlish yeah. way to get her to say our address. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And she's like, but mommy, but it's a girl. She's my age. And and I had, however, what I had done, I had found out it wasn't. And I'm like, you tell no one nothing. This is how all this crap works. So this trafficking in this, it's just madness. It's yeah. madness. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's hard for parents to keep up with. And it's in, they're not missing out on anything if they don't have it. And this is all relatively new stuff. It's the same thing. Like people say, like, I know you guys do sports, club sports. We don't. And people are like, Oh, but your kids missing out on this opportunity, that opportunity. I'm like in the last, like, so the, the centuries before club sports came along in the last <laughs> in 20, 30 years where no child was ever well-rounded. I mean, is that what you're saying? Like, I'll, I'll tell it, you what, I think club sports is. That's a racket. Yes. And I literally, the kids' dad and I had this conversation last night, a little bit this morning. I said, I am 200% for us not renewing. Mm-hmm. The cost is insane. Mm-hmm. It's traveling out of state, it's traveling everywhere else. Our kids are athletes. Should they be in sports? Absolutely. They can play for school. Yeah. For free. They can represent their school for free. I'll travel 10 minutes, 20 minutes, the farthest away, 40 minutes. Sure. I'll do that once a week. Mm -hmm. I'm not spending every weekend, four hours away or out of state, paying for hotels we can't afford. All this crap. It's just nuts. And and with the school, it's far more (laughs) community-based, right? Like you're with with your, your town. Everybody shows up, wears the same colors. Instead, with club, you might be playing your next door neighbor, you know, and then right. like it's, I don't know, it, it's just, it's not for me. I, I see the benefit for other people. I understand some people love it, but I'm like, no, l- let me stay out of it. We're going to go hiking. We're going to go, we're going to go ride roller coasters. Like we have far more time to do these other things. I think it have just as much value for a family. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit and we're going to talk about something more serious. Mm -hmm. And Doug and I were talking last week and Doug, why don't you explain? And and, and, uh, sadly, there's just far too many of these stories, Mm -hmm. you know, that happen far too often. But talk about this controversial story that took place. I don't even remember what state this happened. No, neither do I. Uh, To me, that doesn't matter as much. Um, Sure. You know, I guess, so like a high school teacher, 26 years old, and if you go, if you can find the article, and it's a very pretty young lady, real pretty, uh, gorgeous young lady. Um, I say I'm 45, so she's 20 years, 19 years younger than me, you know, just 
so I'm like, that's a kid, you know, she's very young, right. Right. And, but she's sleeping with a 16 year old high school student and the article, you know, and it, the word, it was on the daily wire, which is a very conservative outlet. Right. But even still these conservative, they say they're honest, they're not woke. They, they don't give in to certain kinds of ideology, but I think the wording they're using is like, uh, I think uh, I'll just kind of get to part of the point is I think it feminizes these boys even more to treat them like, okay, he's been raped and taken advantage of. And this poor boy, he's a victim and blah, 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 blah. And we're treating them as if the same way if a male teacher slept with a female student. I just, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we should do that. I think we, we have to be find a way to try to be consistent in the law, but you have to, I don't know that, we should be saying she raped him. That's clearly not rape. This boy is walking on cloud nine now. I think if it, if there's any sort of crime, it's that he's ruined for whatever girl he dates next for marriage. Like hopefully his dad or mom or somebody is going to get a hold of him and explain like this is wrong. Not because the age so much as just because this is not what sex is for. Like this kid's going to think, oh. Like, I'm going to have porn star, rock star, rock and roll lifestyle sex for the rest of my life. And my 40, he, he's going to be in his 40s thinking, like, why isn't my wife wanting to do it the same way that 26-year-old teacher wanted to do it? You know, like, things right. she wanted to do. And so, I mean, I would, be, I would love for a panel of honest, I guess, experts, because we're not experts on this, right? But like a psychologist, right. like a somebody like a Jordan Peterson, and then maybe even a... Uh, a, a, a nice Catholic lawyer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry to explain the legal side of it, the psychological side of it, and really just a few, like just the social side of it. Cause I don't even know that jail is necessary for this girl so much as social scorn. And, and his dad got arrested too, I think, which, yeah, you're a crappy parent. Like he knew it was going on and didn't do anything about it. But I just don't know. He's probably high fiving his son, which, Culturally, it would be acceptable, right? But I think right. we're Catholic Christians, not acceptable. And we know why it's not acceptable, why this is morally wrong. It's not just the age gap. You know, it, it, there's got to be some more explained to it, I think. And it, we can't just go with like, well, call it rape. Was it rape? Was he forced to have sex with this woman? How do we know he didn't take advantage of her? He might have been a charming son of a gun. He might be six foot seven walking right. into a bar <laughs> and nobody even questions if he's 21. You know what I mean? These kids today, like I taught 15 years ago, 14 years ago when I was teaching, there there were kids that uh, people thought I was a student because I was freshly shaven, you know, the baby face. Thought right. I was a student, thought I looked young. And then there were students that people thought looked like teachers because they're walking in with full beards. And right. the girls are walking in like they, they're working at Coyote Ugly. And yeah. so... I don't know. I think that we need to be a lot more honest about how we do this because somebody has to get a hold of that kid because he's going to go to school the next day. And he's a hero to his buddies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a big, tough guy. He's, he's the stud. He's the cock of the walk, right? So it has to be explained differently. He's not a victim. His life is not ruined. Um, and with these young girls and that happens, I, I mean, you're, you're a girl last night. I asked or checked, right? That's how you yes. identify. Still, you, that's you, I'm still her. identifying <laughs> she, her. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, wouldn't you think it, it It probably is very different for a 16-year-old boy and a 16-year-old girl or even 18 
like in that older age, like I don't even know that I'd call this woman a pedophile. Like, sure. And, and and I, I have so many thoughts on it and I agree with you completely because when we talked about it, I'm like, yeah, we need to get online. We need to do a podcast on this. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different places I want to go with this. But one of the first things I was thinking is, you know, however, we have so much of the left literally almost screaming and begging to make certain parts of pedophilia legal, Mm -hmm. make it legal. Whereas, well, if the adult, you know, if the child was consenting and the adult was doing it in a loving way and Mm -hmm. wanted to only, you know, whatever unthinkable language, you know, so we're seeing there's just no consistency right now as far as what's socially acceptable. But you and I and Abby don't go by this world and whatever's trending and what's socially acceptable and what's culturally trending. We go by God and God doesn't conform to the times or, okay, it's 2024. So God's a little more, you know, lenient. No, no. What's, what's morally wrong in God's eyes is, is morally wrong, right? It doesn't matter what left, what the left or or right is pushing or what they say is okay or, or what's wrong. It's just, if it's wrong in God's eyes. However, from a, from a gender standpoint, I absolutely agree. It's just different. Had that been a 16 year old girl and a 26 year old male teacher, there, there's just, because God made us different. God made the female body hormonally different, emotionally different, obviously physically different. And it is how they're going to quote unquote heal and, and get over that. How they're going to look back on that experience. You're absolutely right. And anyone who says different, that's just not even, that's just not even factually correct. I just don't think there's any intellectual honesty on this at all. I think we've gotten to the point as a society where we're like, if you're not worried enough, I think I heard Bill Maher say this of all people. If you're not worried enough, then you're not a good person. I'm worried more. I'm more, uh, I'm clutching my pearls harder. Therefore, I'm a better person than you. And it's in parenting it's in medicine. It's in everything. Like, oh, if you're not scared enough, if you're not living in enough fear, then you're not a good person. You don't care enough. And it's like, no, I'm just trying to step back and actually look at this logically without as much emotion and really come to like discern. Like there's not enough discernment. You know what right. I mean? Like there's not enough wisdom. We're just trying to get things politically correct, legally, this, that, and the other. And I, I, I think we're just going in the wrong direction a lot of things. And like you just said – the left wants to push this certain language of like, if it's consenting, well, they're talking, we're upset about 30 year old man, nine year old boy. Right. Right. You know, like that's clearly a huge discrepancy and no, a nine year old boy cannot consent. And he's not flirting with the 30 year old man, you know? And and I, you know, just kind of put this out there. I come from, I was uh, sexually molested by a family uh, friend, the man who set my parents up on their first date on a blind date uh, abused me. But I was 18, 19 years old when that happened. And even at like, yes, clearly like technically I was an adult, but it was a very impressionable young adult. And this was mm-hmm. a family friend who had grew up with like almost like an uncle. And uh, he molested his young stepsons from the age of five and six on up almost into adulthood 
abuse them. And so, I mean, that's different. That as boys being molested by a man, um, clearly not consenting, but we didn't know how to consent or not consent or even say no to that. And uh, it's just different. I think we just got to look at every different scenario, like sure, like by itself. But with him, you know, did I with what he did to me? He wasn't going to go to jail. He was going to go to jail for what he did to his sons. And so right. he did go. We only got a hundred days because they got a plea and all that kind of stuff. He did not get what was coming to him. It was not due justice. And so I think that's the other thing. Like, is this justice? what we're doing. So if right. we send this teacher, right. this 26-year-old teacher to jail for several years, umpteen years, for sleeping with a 16-year-old student, yet this 30, 40, 50-year-old man, who, 60-year-old man who did what he did to me and his sons gets 100 days, like, right. how screwed up is our system? You know what I mean? And like, are we Incredibly really doing this right at all? And the answer is no. And I think part of it is in just in the language we use. Like, are we... Right treating this correctly. And I don't usually don't get caught up in semantics of language and that sort of thing. I think we use uh, certain words so much they have no meaning, like toxic. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And that's where we're at right now. It is a game of semantics and it's all become subjective, right? Mm -hmm. It's not based on moral facts anymore or just basic Moral ethics, it's all become subjective. Who's the judge? Who's the, who's the jury? How's, how's it being presented? And so you're absolutely right. And, and that's, that's what's so hard. And something I want to, and I, this is all the same arena. And so I don't want to veer off course too much, <clears throat> but I do feel like it's, it's absolutely necessary to mention. I think the thing that we have to talk to our kids about, even like the 16-year-old boy, his dad should have had a talk with him years before. Because, I mean, I know my oldest son started getting, you were just talking about, you're an Abby's oldest son. He's growing up, he's going through puberty, the hormones. Mm -hmm. And boys, you know, again, boys are just different than girls. But I think we have to talk to our kids about before they even get themselves in a position to do something, sometimes we're too confident. I've shared this story um, in writing before, but I had gotten myself into a position when I was 14. I didn't even know it was illegal. Um, I was with an 18-year-old boy. <clears throat> he was probably, you know, the most hunky, handsome guy, a senior 
He was a jerk. Almost every guy hated him, right? Mm -hmm. But every girl was like, and here I am, this like young 14-year-old girl who's just like goo goo gaga eyed over him. Right. And I was very naive, very innocent as a 14-year-old, truly. Um, And I remember when he got wind that I was intrigued by him, Mm -hmm. he had taken me out into the middle of nowhere. And I knew we were going out into the middle of nowhere. Okay. Okay. So I need to throw myself under the bus. But in my head, I'm like, but I'll have control of the situation. Right? Right. But no one ever really talked to me about how quickly things can move and how pressure is and how hormones and literally how your body feels and how hormones just take over and so forth. But anyways, and I also didn't realize that it's not okay for an 18-year-old to be with a 14-year-old. But at any rate, I got into a position that I couldn't get myself out of. And I feel like it's so important. So I've talked to my kids about, you're going to make decisions. You might lie to me about where you're at. You might have more confidence in yourself thinking, even if I'm at this party and have a drink, I'm not supposed to be drinking. I'm under age. I'll still have things under control. I'll still be able to just, I'll be able to do a little bit, but be able to pull back. And sometimes we just have too much confidence in ourselves, Doug. Don't you agree that we think yeah. maybe even that 16 year old, you know, like, oh, this, she's so hot. You know, I just, even if he was making out with her, nothing else, that's still wrong. Right. Right. But, you know, we think like, we just want to flirt with sin, right? Mm-hmm. We want to have one foot in the water. And one foot out where we think this is still going to be fun. I know it's wrong, but I'm not going to do that much wrong. Yeah. And I think that's where we all go wrong. And we put we put our feet in the water to test it because it feels great. And then and then before we know it, we're we're underneath the water. You know what right. I mean? Don't you right. agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. So there's, I think even as you get older, you're like, oh, I just want to know if I still got it. Right? right. Like, so maybe the 26 year old, so clearly she's only 26, but maybe she's not around people her age as much, her peers. And maybe she did, she was very successful dating sexually in high school. Who knows? That's what I've heard Jordan, Jordan Peterson used that successful, you know, in, in <laughs> terms of <laughs> and hooking up. And I was like, yeah, all right, okay, I'll take that. And uh, anyway, so maybe she's like, I just want to see if I, if I can get these. 16 year old boys, the the stud basketball player, the stud football player. And I, and I don't know. And, and with pornography on the rise, even with women, the way it is, and not just like written or relationship, like chat room stuff online, like actual visual stuff. I can see where she kind of got caught up in it. And you, I think we're just looking for a weird high that yes. we don't need, you know? And I think, you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll flirt with this. If I don't go this far, then you can't you can't accuse me of this or that, like uh, that mm-hmm. relationship. If I don't go this far, you can't accuse me of cheating, like you know, with infidelity. If mm-hmm. I go, if I do this far, you can't say I'm drunk, even though so I can I can drive it. Like we we want to play that game all the time. Yes. If I if I go right here, real just close enough, we can't <laughs> accuse you of this thing, but I can reach out and touch it if I want to. Yeah, so we play we play games with it like that and. Honestly, I feel like the person that should be in the most trouble in this scenario, and I, we don't know the full story, is probably the dad. Right. You know, fully aware of it. If the dad was aware of it, if it's me, my six-year-old boy, I find out he's 
even just receiving inappropriate texts from a teacher. I'm calling the school. I expect her to be fired. I don't expect her life to be ruined, but like you got to, I don't know, this needs to go on your record. You need to find a job in another field if this is the kind of behavior you're going to do. I don't think she's mm-hmm. going to go to jail over that. Uh, like texts are like just kind of sniffing, sniffing out sure. inappropriately. Right, right. Like if you can catch it and you can fix it, do that. And then I'm going to talk to my kids about like, okay, this is what sex is for. Like it has to have like freedom and a purpose and, and freedom and the, the fact that you're committed to each other. You both understand uh, how for your fertility works. You're both responsible for your fertility. Cause if you, if you um, were to get pregnant, like sure, hopefully you already have a plan for that. Like before you right. even get your clothes off. And so, uh, and then also not just that, like, you know, when I, when I went to counseling for, for drinking, you know, I'm almost three years, March, I'll be three years. Unbelievable. Totally sober. So we, we actually talked about a lot of addictions, including pornography. And I think that's an important here because so like, apparently the way we're designed, the way God made us, and this is so brilliant, you attach to whatever, when you orgasm, whatever you're looking at, whatever's in front of you, whatever caused that, you're going to develop attachments to that. And, you know, that may sound like just horrible language and maybe a little too much information for people, but like we, we know everything that happens to our body when we have sex, but we're not talking about what happens to our brain and right. that affects us emotionally and physically in so many other ways. And all the, like, it's, just, it's no different than the ice bath. We want to talk about what happens when you jump in an ice bath, but we don't want to talk about what happens when you orgasm, but everybody in the world's chasing orgasms. There's definitely more people having sex than jumping in cold water. Right. But, but that's the trend thing we want to talk about. So we probably need to talk about sex a whole lot more. I'm not talking about what positions we're using in the bedroom. That's too much, right? That's, Mm-hmm. inappropriate to talk about but to say it's inappropriate to talk about what times our body I, sorry i'm getting off on a tangent there i just no I, things up on facebook and be like that's you should talk about that only with your wife i was like no you gotta talk about it with your kids like you just right. said, you gotta talk to your girls about don't go out in the woods with the hunky high school guy Right. And I mean, I just remember, and of course, a lot of these conversations are extremely uncomfortable, but they have to be had or Mm -hmm. else your child is going to hear it from someone else. They're going to find it themselves online or they're going to experience it firsthand, not knowing what all this means. And it's going to hit them like a wave, like, why is my body doing this? Why can't I stop? Mm -hmm. Why, you know, and I've, you know, had the talk with all three of my girls and Kendall's turning 16 next week. Kennedy is 11 and a half. Kelsey's nine and a half. And I've, I've, I've talked with all three of them and, um, and it's been an ongoing discussion. And I, cause I've said, I want you to come to me. I don't want you to go to your friends. I don't want you to go to TikTok. I don't want you to go to Google. Um, and you know, even just the other day, my 11 year old came to me with, you know, at middle school, the things they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like, it makes, it takes a lot to make me blush. And the question she's asking me, and she's so innocent. She's just being very blunt saying the words, you know, the verbiage. And mm-hmm. What does this mean? And, and I'm like, okay, give me five seconds here to compose myself, you know? And, and I have to tell her, but we, so we had a, a talk a couple days ago and she said, mom, that just, that's so that makes me feel so uncomfortable and I feel so embarrassed. She's like, how can you do that with a boy? And I said, well, honey, that's why you're to wait for marriage Mm -hmm. because you need to be in love with somebody. 
And you need to, just like you said, with the kids, you need to be ready to have a a baby with them because Mm -hmm. that is what creates babies. Mm -hmm. And you need to be extremely comfortable with that person to be in something is so intimate is that type of situation. Right. And, and so I said, yeah, you should feel, it should make you feel uncomfortable and uneasy and like, oh my goodness, because that is something sacred Mm -hmm. and that is to be saved. Mm-hmm. And so these conversations these things like the difference between love and lust, like it's such a fine line between love and lust, right? Because mm-hmm. you think you're in love when you really just in a really fun sexual relationship and it makes you feel good and you think that's love and it's not because you, of course it's fun. Right. You know, and you, right. like you just said, you, you, you haven't explained these things and, and it's hard to explain, well, this is what love feels like. And this is what lust feels like. Because sometimes they overlap. Right. You know what I mean? So, anyway. So, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's a crazy time out there. And the other thing, and we talked about this before we went live, say Marinas somewhat is, and, and again, you know, Abby and I are all about empowering women and, and championing them but I also have to, to call women out, which, which she and I do when it's necessary. And I do say that I feel on a whole, sometimes women can be more manipulative and evil than men. I'm sorry. I mean, just think of Adam and Eve, okay? Let's go back to the beginning of times. Think yeah. of what Eve did, okay? Mm-hmm. There's something a little more conniving about women. And, and at any Every rate, time I do laundry, I get so mad at Eve. Like it's your fault. <laughs> I'm holding these clothes because of you. Seriously, Eve. <laughs> Why? Go. Yeah. But in the same arena here, you know, with the whole Me Too movement, I don't even remember what started the Me Too movement or what year that was. I think, I think it was Kavanaugh or a little before the Kavanaugh hearings or something okay. like that. And then it definitely got hijacked. That could have been great. It really could have been good, especially for um, – young men had been molested because mm-hmm. it also happens with men and women. like, I mean, young men are molested by men and women. And I can, sure. not to hijack what you're saying, like it, it is different for boys. So when I was a boy, uh, 16 year old, when I got my first job at McDonald's, I was working with all different age men and women, but, um, I was basically what, you know what they tell young boys whenever if an ugly girl hits on you, you're supposed to be flattered. If a pretty girl hits on you, you should be flattered. If even if you're not interested, you should be flattered and just and be polite and be nice and let them hit on you and don't tell them. It, you, there is no no is no. Like girls shot no, stand up for yourself, say no, tell that guy to kiss off, mm-hmm. slap him in the face, whatever. Like do all these kind of things to get them off your back, to get them to leave you alone. Boys, on the other hand, if I'm a straight man, a boy, young young man. And men are hitting on me, again, be polite and be flattered. Just be flattered. That's pretty much what I was taught in the 90s. or the, That was the verbiage that was kind of thrown on us back then. And there was no me too. There was just, right. yeah, and, uh, you know, as long as things don't go too far, well, how far is too far? That's another reason I didn't quite know what to do in the situation where I was definitely being taken advantage of by that family friend. is because I'm like, well, should I, I'm, I'm not flattered. Uh, I'm uncomfortable as I'll get out. But uh, anyway, so I remember one time 
I was working at McDonald's. I was probably 17 or 18, kind of coming up there in age. And I was also just a nice kid. I was just very shy, very nice, very easy target for a lot of people. Um, Cause I just didn't know how to speak up for myself. I didn't want people to be upset with me, but I remember one of the managers, I guess he just went through a phase where he decided he was gay and he was sitting in the, so the McDonald's I worked at was in the back of a Walmart. So it was like this big cafeteria. So the, the, the kitchen was on one side, then about 50 yards back was the back of the cafe, the eating area, very large eating area. And they sat on this back wall. Basically he's telling everybody if he had a chance to get a hold of me, what he would do kind of thing. And if I go to my boss with this, it's just, okay, we'll, we'll look and we'll tell him to stop, you know, and like no repercussions really. It finally got too far when a man did something to a woman. Like there, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on at these jobs. And I, I say that if there's any moms listening and your young, your son is going out to work out there, talk to him about this. Like, Hey man, stick up for yourself. Don't let people take advantage of you. Don't let them talk to you the way you don't. If they're brushing up against you in a way you don't like, be reasonable about it. Like if it's a tight kitchen and you're hit running into each other, you're going right. to, but you know when you're being touched in a way that you don't like yes. and call it out. Even if they, Oh, you're just, you're making stuff up. You're, you're, got a tinfoil hat. You're crazy. No, I don't like the way you're touching me. And like, it'll go. And that's just, and that's just it. And you and I just spoke about that. And all of this starts because men and women alike, everybody's dipping their toes in the water, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I find that boy attractive. Wonder how far I can get. I'm just going to start out just by dipping my toes in the water. I'm going to start brushing up against him. I'm going to start talking about him over, you know, it always starts with the little things. And now we're in the day and age, everything's through social media. I'm just going to send a little bit of a flirty text. I'm just Mm going to send a little bit, you know, of, of a Facebook message or Instagram DM to test the waters. Right. And, you know, and then immediately, you know, I can't even tell you. It's ridiculous. The guy, some of the messages that I've gotten, most of them, I don't even try to open or respond to. But when I have called guys out before, it's, oh, you took it wrong. I, 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 I didn't mean it like oh, that. Dude. And they try to back <laughs> You know, when you I'm like. I showed interest back. Right. Oh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. It would be exact. And so, so it's best, again, the moment you get uncomfortable, the moment you notice it and you are definitely, you know, it's wrong. You're not having it. You've, you've got to squash it. You've mm-hmm. just got to squash it. Mm-hmm. And you should not feel bad about sticking up for yourself because we are living in wild times where, I mean, the envelope is being pushed to the max. Everything that's good is looked at as bad. Everything that's bad is looked at as good. It is just a wild time to be alive. So that's why I say, as uncomfortable as these conversations are, you need to have them with your kids. And, you know, as is, you know, it, it is, it's just like, I, it's sometimes it's soul crushing some of the questions I have to answer for my kids, but I'm like, I've got to do it because if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to. Sometimes gonna- you, you do, you'll have to ask Abby. I don't know if y'all have talked about it before on the show that time the kid texted Grace. Yes. Like cursed at or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and Abby took care of it. So going back to what happened to me at that first job, uh, my dad, I kind of told him what was going on with that. The male in his thirties boss, almost twice my age talking about me like that. 
or at least just what I thought was going on, like kind of my, my suspicions of it. And he, my dad and I, we weren't terribly close when I was a teenager. Um, he was my adopted dad. He raised me. He's like, I've never called him my stepdad, but uh, now we're, we're very, very close. Love him to death. And, uh, but I'll, I'll never forget this. This I, I try not to get emotional as I say it, but um, I was telling my parents about it. My dad just kind of, hmm. And I didn't think he was blowing me off. He's, hmm. I knew he was, th- I knew he was pissed that somebody's doing mm-hmm. that to his son. Uh, couple, next time I went into work, I look up and there's my dad walking up. He's a big dude. Uh, he's not like tall. He's, and he's scary looking. He, had, he, had right. he has an beard. intimidating. <laughs> he came in, he was a lineman. Like he worked on power lines and he came in in his sweaty, stinky gear, covered in dirt and mud, this big sausage fingers and his big beard. And he's, he's like, is that the manager? And I was like, that is. And he went over, he just introduced himself to him. Hi, I'm Doug's dad. My name's Don Johnson. Also, his name's Don Johnson. So, (laughs) (laughs) the actor. And uh, just kind of chatted with him for a second. Did not bring up anything I said. Didn't any, none of that. And then he talked to me for a minute and he went home and it stopped. Stopped right there. Wow. Just being a presence. And I'll never forget that. That really meant a lot to me that he just kind of came up there and stuck up for me. He didn't embarrass me. He didn't get me in any kind of trouble. And same thing with Abby, with that other young man. She's like, she knew Abby didn't have the verb or Grace didn't have the, the vocabulary. And the, the, she, she had, she had in her to do that, but she hasn't really learned that skill yet. And it is a skill. Mm-hmm. It really is. Right. Learn how to stick up for yourself. It's something you have to practice. And you do have to go to some really crummy situations to get there. Like yes. I wouldn't go back and take and change any of that that happened to me. Like I'm okay with it having happened to me because here I am. I've healed. I'm not lingering in that bad thing which i think is what the me too movement push going back to that is you have to stay a victim if you ever get over it you're kind of betraying all these other victims if you ever heal then somehow you're 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 turning your back on other victims and you're even turning your back on that 16 year old self that got raped or molested or hurt in some kind of way like if you don't hold on to that pain then you're you're not you're not the hero anymore like healing is somehow creating more victims. Right. And the, and it's the way they handled it was just insane to me. It doesn't, it doesn't align with what God wants for us in any way. So he wants us right. to heal. He wants us to come to him and heal, you know? Absolutely. And we're going to be doing a show on that in a couple of weeks. Um, and this is like a great way to start wrapping is we're going to be talking about healing after trauma and, um, and I think Abby's going to be a great person to chime in on that too, because of, you know, Abby's experience and also what she's gone through and and how she's personally healed. And I know it's something that I've put out there here and there, and I've talked about, and I've even talked about with you and Abby personally, you know, you guys just being my friends listening, something, you know, I just turned 40 and I still feel like I struggle with some childhood trauma that, mm-hmm. that's unhealed. And I feel like, and you, and you said it correctly. Sometimes I like, I'm holding on to this victim mentality and I don't know why, yeah. but when we hold on to that, we can't heal. Mm-mm. When we hold on to that victim card, we cannot heal. And so like, I'm officially at the point where I'm like, Literally, and I, I, every day I'm saying prayers throughout my day. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm like, I don't even know how to fully heal, but I, but I, I lay it at your feet. 
I laid at your feet. You are the ultimate healer. Do me as you will. I, I'm, I'm tired of playing the victim. I'm tired of carrying this baggage around. I'm tired of like thinking about it and replaying it over and over again. Like, it, because it is, it's heavy. It's heavy. And it's, and so it's like getting to that point where it's like, okay, Lord, I'm giving this, I'm giving it over to you. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to be done playing the victim. So you have to cross that off, you know, and I think you have to be able to admit that first, right? Okay. I'm playing the victim card a little too long or maybe way too long. It's time to move on. It's time to, it's time to heal. That's in the past. That's happened. There's no changing it. And you have to be ready. Like when you got sober almost three years ago, you had to be ready. You had to hit your breaking point of, okay, I'm done now. Yeah. I'm done. And I think we all, no matter if it's getting over, you know, alcohol or drug addiction or getting over pornography or getting over childhood or adult trauma, like you have to hit a point where you're like, I'm done now. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah, well, for sure. Like the, you know, you talk about the feet of Christ. So about a year after I quit drinking, we went to court for the guy who molested me and my friends. And about six months after I quit drinking, I maybe longer than that, I started going to one-on-one counseling because I really wanted to get to the bottom of why was I drinking. And honestly, there's really no connection between what happened to me with him and my drinking. My drinking is more about resentment and other kind of things like that and boredom. You know, as a stay-at-home dad, didn't have much else to do. It just kind of got caught up in it. And it really wasn't, I wasn't doing it to stay numb from any kind of healing and or things I needed mm-hmm. to get from it, mm-hmm. any tiny bit of it. But even still, when I was going through the counseling for the drinking, a lot of that kept coming up with, his name's Bill, with Bill. And um, uh, so, but he, my counselor, he was a Christian, so he was a, becoming a deacon at uh, one of the Catholic churches around here. Great guy. He had a license, very well licensed in counsel, uh, very respected. Um, he did it for free with me. That was the other thing. It's such a blessing. He just did it out of the, to help me out. And, um, heart, yeah. it, it was, it was great and wonderful guy. Um, but he encouraged me to pray more and really kind of seek out my relationship with Christ more, like really build that up. And so what I committed to was not just praying, like as I'm walking around doing stuff, but like actually we, at the, the home we lived in, we had this like three foot crucifix. So Jesus on there, nails, crown of thorns, everything very graphic, not super graphic one bloody or anything but um and we had a small kneeler for our our boys right in front of that crucifix honestly the reason i hung it (laughs) near their room was i was like i dare you to have lustful thoughts and with that outside your room but anyway and so i i would deal with that to pray and when my eyes level was his feet right there's his feet with the nails in it and i could reach like reach out and even touch it with my hand and i had a huge emotional breakdown one day from just staring at his feet almost like blank prayer prayer, like where it was like, there were no words in my head, nothing. And I just realized I don't have to carry this anymore. There, like, there's his feet. I just let it go. That's what confession is so great about too. Like he's just big diarrhea of the soul and you just leave it there. You don't have to take it with you. That mess is left behind. It's at his feet. And he's like, I got it. I'll clean it up. Don't worry about it. I know that what you said was awful and all these things that happened to you. And the other thing with healing, it's so cyclical. It can be, it can go up and down. 
And so right. like, I thought I was over what had happened to me. And then uh, here I am breaking down in tears again. And then uh, with my counselor and just being vulnerable and honest. And he's telling me, he's like, look, there's going to be times when it comes back to, to haunt you again. And there were times when I felt like if I'm healing from this, my friend, Matt, who was his stepson and my childhood friend, he's, he's not doing well. He's not getting over it, even like two years after the fact that we went to court for it. His family is destroyed by this. His, uh, he doesn't get to see his siblings, his mom. Like He cannot get it together. He's been in and out of rehab, and he just cannot heal from it. And I understand like his trauma was far worse than mine, what happened to me. But I just pray for him so much. I'm like, man, you just got to – you need Jesus. You need to go to the feet. Yes. You need it there. Like, you, it may take multiple trips, but make those trips, man. Go, Suffering isn't terrible because we're being formed. Like you're being right. manipulated into this new person in Christ. And so it's going to hurt a little bit. You're going to have to go through that. But how's that hurt any worse than what you're going through already? Right. Because you're refusing to heal. Right. You got this big open wound. Let right. Me fix it, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I love talking about healing just because it, it went so well. And Abby does her healing retreats with former clinic workers and that right. sort of thing. And, she always comes back emotionally exhausted because she carries so much of it home with her, you know, Yeah. and a lot of that. But that's what people are like, Abby, even myself, people are there for you like that. They're there to carry it with you. Let's, let's do this. Right. We know the benefit of healing. And, and I remember one time, like a year ago, maybe it was 18 months ago, I had sent you a message. I was doing good and I sent you a video and I'm like, buddy, I'm having a rough day. Like I'm sad today. I was doing good. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me out of nowhere. And you're like, Reg, it's a process. It's cyclical. You know what I mean? Like when I said, Doug, when am I going to, when am I going to stop? Because I think I was in therapy at that point. And I'm like, when, when am I going to be able to stop? When am I going to be able to stop healing? When am I going to feel better? And you're like, Reg, it's, it's a journey. It's a whole process, you know? And, and it is, uh, I saw something really powerful on healing the other day, um, it's, it's, it's truly no matter what the situation was, it's almost like you're grieving someone that you've lost that has died, right? Like you have to grieve that situation. You're going to go through a number of emotions, but again, you have to be willing to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Um, because it is, that's where, that's where Satan wants us. He wants us angry. He mm-hmm. wants us re- being resentful. He wants us feeling guilty. He wants us constantly thinking about our past, whether it's our own sins, whether it's the hell we went through because of someone else. Mm-hmm. That's where he wants us. Right. And that is not where God wants us no. at all. And so that's where I try to really get into my brain thinking, who am I letting win right now? This mental battle, this mental battle that's affecting my mood, my personality with my kids. It's affecting my day today. So ultimately who is winning life right now? Mm-hmm. And when I, when I put it in a perspective like that, I'm like, man, I'm not going to let Satan win. Right. And so for me, it's like a multiple times a day surrendering that I've recently started this. In, in 2024, where I'm like, you know, it could be 10 after one in the afternoon and I just stop and I'm quickly like, Lord, I lay this at your feet. Jesus, I surrender. You have my will. You have my thoughts. You have my my words, my actions. You have my body. Do with it as you will. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yours. And that's it. And I took 10 seconds and I said that and I meant it. 
And sometimes I don't know what else to do besides that. Right. And sometimes that's all we have to do. Yeah, it really is. I mean, just like a little self-reflection, a little self-awareness goes a long way. And I don't, I don't know that people really understand what self-awareness is. Like, I'm aware I'm sitting in the chair. You know, that's not it, of course, right? It's, it's like, is my behavior, like, what's driving people away? Like, with the drinking. When I was drinking too much and I would just get a little too out of control with the alcohol. And I started noticing my friends weren't coming around as often. And when they did, they didn't stay as long. I'm like, is it me? something i'm doing and it was it absolutely was and uh you know you just kind of have to be take on some accountability with that awareness of what you're doing and if it's something you can't control if something somebody else is doing it's what's hurting you you can't control that but you can get away from it you can put up your boundaries you know what i mean that that, and that that takes practice as well like i said we're in our 40s and we're just now kind of starting to get the hang of boundaries right you know it's, it's hard but I don't, like, again, you know, I'm not going to go back and go, oh, I wish I'd done this differently. There's no point in doing that. You know what I mean? Right. I can't change it, but I can, moving forward, I can change things with, with discernment, wisdom, guidance, you know, and prayer, all those sorts of things. And God gives us the tools. We just got to use them. You know? Exactly. And, and today of all times, like Doug and I were talking about earlier, Everything has become subjective and, and what's culturally and socially acceptable. And it's, we're seeing even quote unquote good Christians be overtaken by worldly things. And mm-hmm. what's, what, what's the, what's accepted by the majority? And, um, I, so I have to say, you have to really, when you're in the minority and you know, you're going against the grain, but this is what God's calling you to do. Like you're that you're probably on the right track, but it does take some crazy. The two things I pray for consistently, daily, multiple times a day, is one is the discernment mm-hmm. to know it's God and it's not Satan. Because again, and I've seen so many reels on this, it's so powerful. When you're praying for something and you're diligent and you're asking God, you want this, you need this to turn around, you need this breakthrough. There's two people on the phone listening to that prayer. Mm-hmm. So sometimes even when you're given your request, that might not have been God that's given it to you. That right. might have been Satan, you know, and that, that was so powerful to me, you know, and other people who have said they've been given acting jobs or this happened years later when they prayed about it, thanking God, you know, in adoration or when they're really discerning, it came over their heart that God's like, I didn't give you that. I didn't want you to take that job. Mm-hmm. I didn't want you to have that person in your life. Right. That wasn't me that gave that to you. So we have to be very careful because again, our selfish requests are not always in alignment with God's will. So anyways, one, I always pray for discernment and two, I pray for obedience mm-hmm. because we are a selfish people. I'm very weak. I'm, I can be very selfish. I can be very stubborn. I want this. This is what's best, best for me. God, please just make this happen. And so even if I feel God speaking to me, it's like, I have to do the right thing and I don't want to do the right thing and I'm too yeah. weak to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's being humble enough to surrender and having that obedience. Okay, God, I prayed for discernment. You gave it to me. I'm, I don't really like it. I don't really understand it, but I know that's from you and I know what you're calling me to do. So then it's praying for the obedience to do God's will. Now, I heard Ali Stuckey say something the other day, and it wasn't it wasn't that profound, but it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. But she was watching the video of that woman that compared herself to Mary as a surrogate, like that Mary was yes. the original surrogate, which mm-hmm. is tough. 
thank you to the Pope for finally saying something I agree with, which is we need right. one thing in years. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> he was responding to that, and she said something along the lines of the Holy Spirit impacts other people people differently, or something, or like uh, gets you to do things differently. Like it, it's different. And Allie came back on there and goes. No, he doesn't. Like Jesus, wouldn't, God will not contradict himself. He won't tell you surrogacy is bad. It's not of God. Like, you can't do that. And I think once everybody realizes, hey, guys, we're not entitled to children. We are called to grow our families. That doesn't mean you're entitled to children. So if, you, if you're suffering and you can't have children, I, this is a horrible way. Like, it sounds so mean. That doesn't mean you get to go do this thing that's completely outside of nature and it, it's not within the order that God gave us. Like he gave us a very easy, specific plan. And sometimes you're going to have to suffer through some things because of it. But that, that doesn't mean you just get to sidestep it and say, well, God told me I could do this. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's the other thing. Just because you can do it doesn't mean God's giving you his blessing to do it. Right. You know what I mean? So, and she said that. She's like, God's not going to contradict himself. He's not going to tell one person, yes, sir, you see is okay. And then through science and biology and uh, I don't know, circumstances like we can see what's happening to these children in these situations. And we can see it's, we're not getting better as a society. Things are not pointing towards him when we do this. Right. And, and again, it's always that sidestepping, it's dipping our toes, it's validating our sin. Like, Mm -hmm. well, because again, God doesn't look and say, Reagan, your situation's a little different. You've been through a lot. So I'm going to allow you to mm-hmm. do this. No, he doesn't do that. God doesn't sidestep. No. You know what I mean? And God doesn't conform what sin is sin, what's wrong is wrong, what's unnatural is unnatural, what's not from God. You can't make it be from God. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's where we go wrong, Doug. And, and I think that's one of the things that we all have to be looking out for which you and I both explained it so perfectly, what we all do is we we have to stop dipping our toes in the water because if we give Satan a foothold in the door, he's going to knock it down. Mm-hmm. And we that confidence we have of saying, okay, I'm just going to go have one drink. I'm just going to go meet with this person and I know nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to send this flirty message, but I, it's, it's really harmless. Right. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's just not worth it because it's so hard to reel ourselves in. We mm-hmm. are humans. We're selfish. We're weak. That's why we need God's grace. That's why we need his strength and his mercy. And, um, and we're just battling too much. I, I and, and I want to kind of end with this. It, it's so powerful. And I think this is where the majority of lukewarm Christians lie, which I consider myself fervent, but can quickly fall into lukewarm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, where we have just enough Jesus, our foot just enough in the church that we're still can't, that we can't fully enjoy the world. But we have just enough world that we're still accepting and participating in that we can't fully enjoy the church. We can't fully enjoy Jesus because we're trying to have both, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to have our foot over here and have fun and like, oh, somewhat leeway. Like, I I can kind of do this sin. I can kind of like whatever. Well, I'm still going to have like my ticket to heaven. 
And it's like, we can't fence it anymore. We just cannot. And I know I'm guilty of it. Yeah, we all are. Again, that's the beauty of confession. Yes. And and because I was talking to my my dad, my parents aren't Catholic. And we had a fun, fun conversation about uh, different things I believe or that we believe as Catholics. And I said something about confession. He said, well, why should you go out and do it again later? I was like, maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe you get tired of confessing that thing and you actually get some conviction in your life and you stop it. You know what I mean? Like like confession strengthens your relationship with Christ if you do it correctly. And there's a right and wrong way to do confession. If you're just going through the motions, no, it's not going to work out. But if you're going in there because you you truly feel humbled and you, you're like, All right, I got to let this go. I've got to talk to Jesus about it. You know, that the priest is just sitting there listening and he's just verbalizing he's the middleman yeah right? he's just verbalizing what god's going to say to you you can hear it because we have senses right. for a reason you know what i mean so yeah i'm, I'm with you like, and i do and i'm the type doug i try to go weekly if not i go bi-weekly and and sometimes you know i always put the same priest and i'm like yeah. <laughs> you almost have the same sins yeah yeah, yeah. Same thing. Right. And, and so i did i've said a couple of times even to different priests i'm like is this bad like i'm saying the same things over and over again mm. and they're like it's not uncommon you know even the saints their 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 walk to purification their walk to sanctifying grace they keep they kept falling but they kept standing back up and i've even noticed in my sins that i keep committing again and again because we get as catholics get that a lot oh you're just going to go confess it and go do it again it's not like we're planning on falling again but when we fall again i've noticed sometimes i catch myself much quicker mm-hmm. i'm not you know instead of going days or going hours it's three minutes. It's like, you know, I, and so it is the road, no matter what is a believer, is a Christian, no matter what you call yourself or, or how you identify, you know, Doug and Abby and I were, were, were practicing faithful Catholics, but the, the, the road to sanctifying grace is you're going to fall. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of getting back up as quick as you can and right. getting back on the right path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got, like I said, the, the suffering, like once you find joy in suffering, find joy in the walk and the process, it, it goes a lot better. It goes a lot smoother. You're almost happy to do it. You're almost thankful for the uh, the tribulation a little bit. You're almost thankful for those those moments where it's like, man, this is actually, that was kind of hard. But when you come out on the other end, you're like, glad I went through that. Now I know more. Now I'm a little bit wiser. I have more weapons. You know, I... I I can get that right next time. And so, yeah, like going through it, there's nothing wrong with going through it. You know, I think we're a little too hard on ourselves sometimes when we fall and we're like, oh man, I did it again. But hey, you're probably going to do it again and again and again. You get, you got a long ways to go. You're probably halfway through. And your that's life. why we need Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> fine, get over yourself. Like, yeah, you know, don't, don't take yourself so dang seriously. Uh, take him seriously and right. he'll get you through it. So, yeah. And I, yes. I had a confession the other day. My my twenty twenty four thing is um being content. When I was younger I used to always get these uh virtue awards that I was content. I was it's probably more lazy than content, but I was just very content. And uh so but lately I had to go to confession. I was really angry with God because I'm having to raise my kids in this cesspool of a world we have going on right now. I was like, why couldn't I have done it in the 80s or the 70s? Well, I'm sure they had their own problems, too. And he was right. like, Doug, 
the saints weren't formed. Saints didn't live in easy times. They all lived in really hard times. Like, and that's how saints are formed. So like, yeah, you're hopefully raising saints and maybe you'll be a saint. Like you're trying to get into heaven and it's hard. If it was easy, would you get in? Would you just rest on your laurels and sit back and make no effort? And so, yeah, it's worth it. So it's hard. And so it is. And, and that was, I went all into it. I was like, man, why can't it be like Mayberry? Why can't it, why can't we just all live in a Hallmark movie where everything's a little easier? <laughs> <laughs> like our hardest problem is he doesn't love me quite enough as I wanted him to, or, you know, that girl didn't right. give me the goo goo eyes the way I wanted her to, you know, like if that was my worst thing about my day, that'd be wonderful. But it's, right. you know, I'm having to wonder if my kids are going to want to pee in a litter box, you know, or right. oh, my what body part are they going to want to chop off next or that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. We're, we're, we're but you're right. To- I think, yes, exactly. And, and that's what I was going to say. I think all of us parents have asked God a time or two or three, why did you choose us, my kids and I, for this time? Mm-hmm. Why did you choose us for this insane time? And God is just too perfect and absolutely chose us for this particular time and chose our kiddos for this particular time. And so we almost have to take it as a compliment. Yeah, it's a crazy time. I know the other times they had their own struggles, um, which which was the case, but I feel like we're, we're definitely living in unprecedented times. And we have to think God was very choosy for a reason for us yeah. and our kids. And he has a master plan for us. And so if you are listening to this right now, God has gifted you with one more day. He is not done with you. Pray for discernment. Pray for obedience. Do the same for your children. Pray over your children. It wasn't until a year ago, Doug, that I really started to pray over my children. Mm -hmm. And they love it. Mm -hmm. Like before, as I'm driving them to school, I pray over them individually. And it's been such a game changer. Sometimes I pray, because we'll do, we'll pray together. We'll do a rosary together. But And sometimes I pray over them while they sleep. And there's just something so empowering about that. We're doing right individual blood, like crosses on the forehead when they go to bed, with the kids. And yes, my one of the twins, Lucy, the dark headed one, uh, she's like, mommy's not here to do it. So I have to give her two crosses, one for me and one for mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's daddy's cross. Here's yeah, mommy's cross. Yeah, and, she, and she, like you said, their, their faces light up, but that sort of thing. They know you're doing it out of love and, and protection and that sort of thing. And, and that's the other thing, like, yeah, I was mad at God for giving me these kids in this time. But then it's kind of like you start, now I'm actually feeling flattered for a good reason. Like, wow, he gave me these kids. He entrusted me to do this. This is the most important thing I'll ever do. It makes it 10 times easier to be like, no more video games. No to club sports. Yes, we're going to all sit here and watch cartoons as a family. We're going to eat popcorn and we're going to make a mess together as a family. And we're going to think back on it 20 years from now, loving and that memory with all our hearts. Right. Yes, we're going to go to mass. Yes, you have to look nicer when you go to mass. You cannot wear basketball shorts and a tank top to mass. You very right. at least cover up some, you know, like it makes it easier to take that job seriously, like because it's a vocation. Like vocation and job are, sound the same, but they're not. Like vocation is what's going to get me into that. what I was called to do by God. Flipping hamburgers is what I do to pay my bills. You know what I mean? Right. But I do feel like, you know, I'm teaching now at my kids' school. So I do think I'm called to be there because, yeah, Abby's up there smoozing. She's having wine with Jim Caviezel. She's doing all these fun things, meeting all these great people. 
but I'm helping form young lives through working as a PE coach, a lowly PE coach, coaching basketball and flag football at this school. I feel like I'm doing more for the, for the kingdom doing that than I would be if I had Abby's job. She's doing more doing that on a big scale. She's exactly where she should be. I'm where I should be. No resentment on either side, you know, and, and it's, it's going great, you know, just accepting your role and like, and, right. and, and putting your whole body into it. You know what I mean? Right. So just going for Again, it. I, I love it when you're so sure that you're exactly where you should be. You're doing what God's called you to do. I think that's one of the organic effects of it. You have that peace knowing, all right, you know, this might not be a blast every single day of my life, but I have this peace. I have this contentment that I'm exactly where God wants me to be. I'm doing, it's not always going to be easy. It's not like a, you know, a a walk in the park every day, but I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, where he wants me. And Mm -hmm. that is like golden that's it. Yeah, I tell people, you may see me red face screaming at my kids or screaming at the dog or like having a bad day or stomping around here. I'm having the time of my life. I wouldn't give it up. <laughs> <laughs> I am having an amazing day. This day yeah. is going to end. I'm going to start it over <laughs> a little bit. Maybe 10 minutes from now, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'll be fine. You'll be like Jacqueline Hyde guy walking around here. But no, it's just it's, yeah, because I'm happy to be here. I have peace. Yes. You know, like yes. an outburst doesn't mean loss of peace. You know what I mean? It just means, damn it, I'm tired of staying clean your room. (laughs) 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 Oh, I get it. I get it. I love it. Well, I'm so glad we did this, Doug. We need to do this more often. I don't know Um, who made a single point. But it's fun. <laughs> well, I think we touched on like 19 points, yeah, which yeah, is great. So we got them so we, give, yeah. <laughs> we gave people a little taste of like quite a few things. Like sitting out there. Let's see which one they pick up. Yeah. Right. I love it. Well, this is great. Again, if you are not following Doug Johnson, he has a very popular page on Facebook called Doug on Tap. Um, he is so similar and to Abby that he just does not sugarcoat. He gives you the real deal. Everything is unfiltered. Um, but he has grown this large platform for, for being so transparent. And what I love about you too, Doug, is you do really engage mm-hmm. with your audience and it's a large audience. And whether um, people agree with you or not, you take the time to really uh, converse. It's a small audience compared to some. It's 28,000 right now, right? But it's, it's heavy on the comments. Yeah, and we have a very interactive. Like the largest, I, I wrote that tiny little, just off the cuff eulogy for Matthew Perry when he passed mm-hmm. away. And I know we're finding out things weren't so rosy behind the scenes for him, like the way he yeah. passed away. But still, like, we all connected with that character, the Chandler character, and we all cheered yeah. for him. It got 200,000 responses and umpteen thousand comments and just people talking. And it was so much fun to have those conversations with people and to talk to you. And when I talk about the sobriety stuff, talk about um, family life, but I talk about pro-life things, things that Abby does. It's not so much. It's when I talk about the mundane, what classic movie you're watching this weekend. People just want to talk about it. And it's, it builds community. I think it makes it like they're not so alone, but. And people need that reprieve from mm -hmm. politics. They need a reprieve from just the, the finger, not that you finger point, but when we point out what's right, is right. What's yeah. evil is evil. Sometimes they just need Matthew Perry connected us all, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like that really united us. I, was, We're not I gonna... very much was a Chandler. And I married right. a Monica. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> right. more of a Ross than a Monica, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and it, it was a great show. We're, we're rewatching the Friends episodes. We're like, man, this probably isn't something we should watch, but it's, you know, you, you still, I'm watching it through a different lens as a 45 year old yeah. Catholic Christian dad saying, hmm, wouldn't have let that happen in my home. But there's still right. like, some humor and a lot of good stuff to, you know, you, you still find right. value in it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. So this was good. We'll catch up again, Doug. Yes, ma'am. And we will link your page. And as your wife always concludes our episodes, keep raising your little saints. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.